Welcome to another episode of Go Girl, because women are powerful. I'm your host, Ashley Caprice. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or AshleyCaprice.com and never miss an episode. This is a podcast where we focus on affirmations, motivation, girl power, and girl talk. Today's topic, red flags of an abusive relationship and how to escape safely. We'll get into it after this. I am are two of the most powerful words and what you say after shapes your reality. So every week I do an affirmation on the show, but I hope you take it with you and look in a mirror and say it to yourself. Today's affirmation is I am free. I am free. I am free from People who try to hold me back or dim my light, right? Girl, you are free. I am free to live my life the way I choose to live. I am free to be happy and to be my authentic self. I am free from being in someone else's shadows. I am free to live my life. I am free to breathe again. You might have felt trapped if you were ever in an abusive situation, uh, walking on eggshells. Like you can't speak up. I am free to speak. I am free to share parts of my story that I'm comfortable sharing. I am free from anyone who's tried to hurt me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Whatever way that it's happened to you, you are free. You have to believe it in your mind. The Harriet Tubman movie came out recently and... Harriet Tubman is known for saying, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. So it's mental. It starts in your mind first to understand and know there's a problem and know that you have to leave the situation, right? You are free. Mentally, you are free. I am free. I am free from judgment. I know there was someone very close to me at one point when I was going back in this relationship. Um, the person said to me, um, no, Ashley, you can't, you know, you're not weak. And that hurt me. That stung. Like, dang, this person sees me as weak now, knowing that I'm a strong person. And I'm just in, I'm just caught up in a bad situation where I'm losing myself a little bit. Well, now I am free. I am not weak. I am strong. I am free from judgment and criticism. I am free from people criticizing me, right? I am free. I am free to live my life. I am free to breathe again. It's so much anxiety and stress. Um, When you're in a toxic situation or an abusive relationship and like the PTSD afterwards and just, just, just a lot that comes with it in your healing process, which I'll talk about in another episode. But just know, girl, look in a mirror and just say to yourself, I am free. I am free. Let the tears flow if they do. I am free. I am free to be myself. 
I am free to be the woman that I was before. And I'm speaking from this experience from a relationship, but sometimes it could be toxic family members, toxic friendships. And you've learned to set your boundaries. You've learned to distance yourself and to create a safe space for you. I am free. You are free. My mind is free. My heart is free. I am free to love again. I am free to love again. I am free to love myself wholly and completely. I am free to love myself more. And I am free to love someone else more because now I I'm leaving with more experience and more knowledge, right? I am free. There was a time where right after this relationship on social media, I would still post pictures here and there, but more so with glasses on because I didn't want anyone to see sadness in my eyes. And I remember specifically on the 4th of July of that year, I posted a photo without glasses and uh, it was the caption, ain't no feeling like being free, you know, the Destiny Child song. Because I felt free. And what's crazy is no one else, I'm sure, noticed that. Anyone else just liked the picture, made a comment, and that's cool. But mentally, myself, I knew that I was free from a, a situation that was kind of breaking me down. And now, you know, I started a whole healing journey. And knowing that I am free from that. And I'm happier. And... Now I'm helping other women like, what? Wow, I am free. And so are you. So are you. Now coming up, I'm having girl talk with a guest from the Genesee Center. And this is an organization that I've been connected with for many years, even like my early 20s. I volunteered for a few of their galas. Uh, Holly Berry was hosting because she's been a victim of domestic violence. I also worked for a radio station where I was the producer of the community show, and I brought this organization on to discuss everything that they offer. So we'll get into Girl Talk with Dr. Angela Parker from the Genesee Center next. I'm so excited to have Dr. Angela Parker on the line. She is the Director of Training and Programs at the Genesee Center, which is a domestic violence intervention and prevention program. Dr. Angela Parker, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be on this platform to talk about an issue that I feel is just so important. It's definitely important. And I feel like it's more common than we think. Some people are might be in abusive relationships or have dealt with these domestic violence relationships before and not knowing that they were in one because it wasn't physical. A lot of times people think if someone hits you, that's the only form of abuse. But please let people know the other forms of abuse or red flags to watch out for. Exactly. You hit the nail right on the proverbial head. <laughs> yeah. Because people think of domestic violence sometimes as a certain way. And a lot of times, too, even if it is physical, people have normalized the behavior so much mm -hmm. that they no longer recognize it as abuse. And so, you know, of course you have physical, which, you know, is the one I think everybody recognizes, but you also have emotional abuse, which is huge. Right. You know, um, when I was younger, there was a saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, the words will never hurt me. Mm. But um, that is completely not true. Um, words can break you down. Words can cut deep. Um, words can change how you view yourself. 
And the thing that's so insidious about emotional abuse is even if you do in this one particular relationship, sometimes the things that have been said to you in the abusive relationship sticks with you in the back of your head and it carries on into your other relationships and it affects how you behave in your other relationships. And so, you know, it really is um, a form of abuse that does so much damage. And then there's financial abuse. You know, a lot of times people are abused um, financially for their money. Um, So either the person feels like they have to turn over all of their money to the abuser Mm -hmm. um, because the abuser has threatened them, or they feel like they have to turn their money over to the abuser because that's the only way that they can get the affection that they crave from the abuser. Wow. And then, of course, you know, that's an intimate partner situations, but when we're talking about domestic violence in a broader sense, you have parents, you know, that are being Mm -hmm. financially abused by their children, you know, once they hit a certain age and now sort of have access to their money. Mm -hmm. You have sexual abuse, you know, and everybody, you know, when you say sexual abuse, people think of, you know, the big one, which of course is rape, but also, you know, any type of unwanted touching, you know, anytime someone makes you, um, coerces you into doing something in the bedroom that you don't really want to do. There's this thing called condom coercion where, you know, sometimes men will wish you to wear a condom, even if the woman wants them to, Mm. which opens up their partner. And I I don't say woman, but partner. It opens up their partners, you know, to STIs, to um, unwanted pregnancies. Mm. There is digital abuse, which is huge now, where, you know, people are being stalked through texting, they're being stalked through their social media, their passwords are getting stolen so that they can be spied on. There's Mm -hmm. um, this term called sexting, which is sending sexually explicit pictures. Sometimes people feel coerced to do that. There's spiritual abuse where, Mm -hmm. you know, people will use their faith, uh, their faith is being used against them in order to justify the abuse. And so it just really runs the gamut. And it's important to understand that oftentimes it doesn't look the way you think it's going to look. And not only that, but the person who's being abused doesn't look the way that you think that they would look. I mean, I think there's the stereotype that only a certain type of person can be a victim of domestic violence. And Mm -hmm. anyone can, no matter what race, what gender, sexual orientation, social economic background, age, it really um, can happen to anyone. And that's one of the things that I really think it's important for your listeners to understand. Absolutely. And like even Tyra Banks spoke on this recently on a TV One Uncensored episode where Mm -hmm. she was saying that she was in an emotionally abusive relationship. And when you're in, because I've I've been in one as well, um, when you're in this situation, it's like you don't know because mm-hmm. yes, you're not getting hit and everything seems okay most of the time. But then there are those moments mm-hmm. where you're arguing about something that's so small that you're like, we're not going to break over up over this. This is this is tiny, but it takes the effect over your emotion and your psyche. It breaks you down over time. And so with Tyra Banks being this woman that, you know, supermodel, so strong and and beautiful and everything and oh my god so many people look up to her and for her to speak out about this Nicki Minaj to speak Mm -hmm. out about this you know women that we admire so it is not a look it is not like you said socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status it's not it doesn't matter and when it's happening you think or beforehand you think oh that would never happen to me until Mm -hmm. you're actually in it right 
So what are some red flags that people should watch out for if they don't know that they are in this type of relationship or before getting so serious with someone in the beginning of this type of a relationship? I'm glad you asked me that because one of the things that I find is that the reason why people don't automatically recognize the red flags is because the abusive behavior seems romantic in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you need to look for somebody who, um, you know, smothering you too quickly, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're texting you all the time. And at first you're like, oh, they're just texting me. You know, they want to talk to me or they're calling me. They want to know where you are. You know, they say, oh, you know, FaceTime me so I can make sure you're okay. Girl. You know, mm -hmm. all of that stuff where you feel like, oh, they're just caring about me. And what they're really doing is that they're trying to, you know, see what you're doing. They're trying to keep tabs on you. You know, maybe they'll say stuff like they'll try to isolate you. So they'll be like, you know, you don't need to go out with your friends. Are you going out with your family again? I just want it to be me. And again, you're thinking, oh, right. no, they just want to have some alone time. They just want to see me and them. And what they're really trying to do is there's really sort of a jealousy involved where they don't want you, you know, to be around other people. You know, they'll make comments that, you know, maybe you can like uh, brush off, like, are you really are you wearing that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, you know, that you might want to cover up, that might be too much, you know, different, you know, things like that. Um, you know, you're gaining weight, you know, different things like that, where it starts to eat away at your self-esteem. Yes. And it, and it doesn't in the particular moment, but it happens when it's continue, you know, they're continuously, you know, nitpicking, you know, somebody, you know, wants to know your passwords to your phone or your um, computer. And like, if, and, and if, it's, if you're in a relationship where you feel comfortable and you're exchanging passwords, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes something abusive is when you feel like you are coercing a door or something, you know, like you have no other choice. Right. And so when you are constantly in a situation with someone where you feel like I have no choice but to acquiesce, mm -hmm. I have no choice but to say, yes, you're right. I have no choice but to back down. I have no choice but to do what it is that they want me to do. Even if it's something minor that you don't consider abusive, if that's happening over and over again, you really need to take a step back and ask yourself if this is the healthiest situation for you. Wow. And like you said in the beginning, sometimes we're like, oh my God, this person cares about me. I mean, they're mm -hmm. texting me and calling me and oh my goodness, I'm at work and they're calling me all day. You know, they want to see what I'm up to. See, they want to mm -hmm. see your surroundings. A lot of times they want to hear your surroundings possibly. So can we talk about that? Because at first, it might look like, oh, this person, like you said, cares or they're protective, mm -hmm. but there's a thin line between protective and possessive. So, exactly. you know, it's more with abusers, it's more being possessive, right? Yeah. And the thing is, it's the frequency of the occurrence, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you're in a situation where, you know, let's say, um, for example, when that whole thing with Uber was happening, right? Yeah. And um, people were starting to feel unsafe. So let's say you're a woman and you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. whatever your situation is. And you're in the car with your significant other and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I want to just talk to you while you're on the Uber just to make sure everything is okay. So, you know, until you get home or something like that. And that's a one-time thing and you know it's about, it is about what it's about. You know, right, right. that's different from when somebody's constantly mm -hmm. like, you know, you're telling them, I'm going out with my friends. We're going to the movies. I'm not going to be available for the next 
three hours, right. but they're texting you after mm-hmm. you've already told them that you're not going to be available. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to go out to lunch, you know, with a friend of mine, you know, and they're calling you and they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm out to lunch. Really? Yes. Like, where are you at? Let me see. You know, let me put me on FaceTime so I can see where you're at. You know, it's this constant um, thing that they're doing, you know, where they're checking up on you. So, so, so look for frequency and intensity. You know, if they're doing it a lot, if if there's if they start to make you feel like if you don't pick up the phone, if you don't answer the text, if you right. don't put them on FaceTime to see, you know, where you are, you know, that you feel like you're in trouble. You know, again, you're too, like you feel like you're in trouble. And again, you know, yeah. something that is not the healthiest situation to be in because you as a person, you have a right not to pick up the phone. You have a right not to answer, you know, that text, you know, within reasons, particularly when you already told the person, you know, what it is that you're doing. Yeah. And so it's just stuff like that a lot of times, you know, and that's how people find themselves in domestic violence relationships because it's a very subtle progression Mm -hmm. you know they never hit you abusers are very calculating they're very charming they're very manipulative and very rarely do they hit you with the abuse all at once it's a gradual cycle that you find yourself in and by the time you look up you've been in this relationship six months a year two years Mm -hmm. and it's been abusive and you haven't really even realized it because it's it's, just you know, crept up on you. This has been so subtle. Right. And, you know, and physical abuse is oftentimes the last type of domestic violence. And so it's like, you know, why didn't you get out early? Why didn't you see the signs? Like you said, you know, a lot of times they're not hitting you. They're not mm. hitting you in the beginning. You know, it's subtle stuff. It's emotional stuff. It's financial stuff, you know, yeah. might be a little bit sexual or digital. And so you don't, again, you don't recognize that as a boost because for the longest time, you only recognize the physical aspect of right. intimate partner violence or domestic violence as abuse. And then, like you said, the physical sometimes is the last time, last of what they do, because mm-hmm. it might be you finally stood up for yourself or you finally said no, or you're finally like, I'm done. Something doesn't feel right. I need to leave this situation. And then that's when the physical happens sometimes. And then at that time, it's even harder for you to leave after because then you're like, well, if he hit me, you know, is it going to hit me again? Is it going to get mm-hmm. worse? So uh, let's talk about that. You know, women staying. And with me, at one point, I felt like I, I, it was never physical, but I felt like it was safer to be with him than not with mm-hmm. him. Like as soon as I would say, okay, like this isn't working. Like I just wanted it, it to be over. I wanted him to break up with me. Like maybe it'd be easier if he just let me go, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but they don't. They don't let you go. So can we talk about um, a lot of times it's the Stockholm syndrome, right? Why people stay in trauma bonds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and this is the question I get asked the most, right? Because people are like, why do they stay? Why do they stay? If that was me and they just looked at me cross out, I'd be gone. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell people, well, first of all, it's not you. Right. You know, and, you know, and the thing is, people stay for a lot of different reasons. You know, people stay um, sometimes they're, they're financially, you know, dependent on the other person. You know, people stay because they want to keep their family together. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge one, especially when their kids involved. You know, never underestimate, you know, people's willingness to, you know, do what they feel like they need to do or take what they need to take in order to make sure that their kids are secure. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people stay because, like we talked about earlier, they don't recognize it as abuse. 
Right. So, you know, they don't know, they don't know to get out because they don't realize anything is wrong. Um, they will stay because of lack of resources. Um, they don't know that there's help. Like, so for the most extreme cases, a lot of women don't know about shelters. I mean, I work at Genesee Center. Um, we're 40 years old. And when I do a lot of training, there's still people that have never heard of Genesee Center. Hmm. So people, they feel like I, if I, I don't have anywhere to go, you know, this is, this is kind of my lot, my lot in life. And then as you brought up, there is a certain danger to leaving an abuser. It is not easy for some people to just walk out the door. The right. most dangerous time for someone who is a victim of domestic violence is when they leave because the abuser has lost control. Right. So when people would turn on the news and they're like, somebody, you know, their husband threw acid in their face or they were shot at work or they were kidnapped and the children were kidnapped. Those are the women who have left. Yeah. They've left and the abuser feels like I don't have any control and I'm, I'm going to do this because this is the only thing left to do. If I can't have you, nobody can have you. If right. I can't have you, you know, you can't have the kids, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of thing. And so you don't really know a person's situation. And so I tell people, you know, you can't just tell somebody, hey, just leave. Mm-hmm. You know, people who, who are going to leave, who are in those dangerous, extreme situations, they have to have a safety plan. They have to know what it is that they're doing. And again, for women whose situations may not seem as extreme, where it might be emotional, where they, their their abuser might not be as threatening, right? Mm-hmm. That in itself is the reason why they stay. Yeah. Because it just doesn't seem that bad until it seems that bad. Yeah. It was it was all good until it wasn't. You know. So you just never know because let's talk about trauma bonds. Is that when mm-hmm. Um, so trauma bond in the cycle of abuse, is that similar or no? Well, so trauma bond, see, I don't know exactly if I would say it was trauma bond because I think everybody's sort of different. I think it depends on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you have a situation where you have, you know, maybe a young woman who has a history of abuse maybe in her family, mm-hmm. and then she becomes involved with this man, and she sort of sees this man as sort of her savior, mm-hmm. you know, and he sort mm-hmm. of rescued her. I think, you know, maybe there's some more of a trauma bond, but I think, you know, when we're talking about women who are older who get involved in these situations, I don't feel it's as much as um, trauma bond as much as it's them getting caught, like you said, in this cycle, right? Exactly. Where things were really, once upon a time, things were really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't good, you wouldn't have stayed right. as long as you did, or you wouldn't have gotten involved. And so it's like, you know that things can be good. You just have to figure out how to get back to that. Right. And so you hold on to the memories of the good times, yep. you know, or you're trying your best. If, you know, if I could just do this, if you could just do that, we could just be, you know, who we were before. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, that's impossible because it was sort of, you know, always this kind of facade. It was this tiny trap that the abuser was laying, laying for you, you know, in order to, to catch you. It's like and they so had that's, on a mask. You know, really, yeah, they had on a mask, right? And so that's really kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I'm always really leery to try to just sort of, you know, say, oh, it's Stockholm Syndrome or it's trauma bond or this or that, because I feel like every person who ends up be, being in an intimate partner violence relationship, they're, they're the, the reason that reasons that got them there are, are different. Right. And the reasons that keep them there are different. So 
if a woman is in this type of situation and she's at the point where she wants to leave, you know, and people say, oh, you need to leave, you need to leave. She's finally at that point in her mind where she is mentally checking out. She is ready to go. Now she's trying to figure out a plan. What is the safety plan for victims trying to leave or an escape an abusive relationship? Okay. So the number one thing, and thank you for asking that, because again, that's so important, is to ascertain what kind of threat you're in. So if you are in a relationship with somebody who he's just, forgive my my language, he's just a complete asshole. Mm -hmm. He's emotionally abusive, but you know, you're going to break up with them and, you know, maybe he'll call you a couple of times and he'll leave you alone. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you can just break up and you can keep it moving. But if you're involved with someone who has shown you violent tendencies, who really makes you afraid, the first thing that you do is don't say, I'm leaving you. Because that's going to make them snap, okay? Mm. You, you know in your head that you're leaving. So you have to get prepared to go. You have to have a safety plan. First of all, you have to know where you're going to go, right? Yes. Am I going to go into a shelter? Are there friends and family that I can stay with, you know, maybe where he can't find me, or he or she can't find me, or they're going to leave me alone? Am I, um, do I need to change some of my habits? You know, maybe, you know, he knows where I go every Saturday. Do I need to stop doing that? You know, if there are kids involved, do I need to change where the kids go to school so that he just doesn't show up at the school? And like, hey, you know, you remember me? I'm here to pick up Sally and Rick, you know, right, right. And, and, you know, your kids are gone. You know, right. um, do you have money saved up if you're, you know, financially dependent on this person? Do you have some money where you can be on your own? Um, you know, do you need a restraining order? Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people that restraining orders are not bulletproof vests. However, yeah. it's better than nothing. And when you get a restraining order filed, you know, that person is not allowed to be within a certain amount of, you know, feet where you are. And you can call the police and you can have them arrested and you keep the restraining order on you on all time. So it gives you, you know, just a little bit of protection. And so these are some of the things that I always advocate, you know, for women, you know, who are ready to leave, to put their safety first and to, you know, and to put these plans into motion so that when they do leave, that the person cannot find them mm-hmm. and that they're able to sort of separate themselves from them. And, you know, a lot of times with children is difficult, right? Yeah. So if you have children, um, unfortunately, because of the law, because um, we have clients who are forced to co-parent, you know, with their abuser after they've left, you know, you really need to get, um, make sure that you have some type of legal representation. A lot of DV organizations, I know particularly Genesee Center is one of them, will help you with custody issues, will arrange a safe meeting place where the abuser can um, pick up the kid. Usually it'll be at a police station where, you know, you don't have to be there or, or, or it could be done through a relative. And that way, again, you know, they have their legal rights to see the kid, but you're not, you know, being put in danger by having to be around the abuser. Mm-hmm. And so really reaching out, looking into all the resources that are there for domestic violence survivors is really, I mean, I can't recommend that enough when you're ready to leave because, you know, a lot of times you just cannot do it alone. Yeah, you cannot do it alone. There's so many resources out there, and there's the uh, National Domestic Violence Hotline that you can call, 1-800-799-SAFE, that you can call. Uh, so many resources. Genesee Center is right here in Los Angeles if you're in Correct. this area and offers so many amazing things. What else yes. can victims expect after 
leaving this type of relationship, you know, mentally, emotionally, you know, sometimes they want to go back. How do, you know, what can some women, if they're listening and they want to leave or they just left, what can they expect with some type of normal behavior maybe? You know, everybody's journey is different. I think that they need to understand that it's natural to want to go back. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've loved that person, if you've been with them for a while, um, but you have to, you have to fight that urge because you have to do what's right for you. You can't change anybody. The situation is not going to get any better. You know, it's going to get worse. People have to want to do the work themselves, you know? Mm And so you you have to really say, what is best for me? What is best for my children? You have to understand that it's going to be rough for a while, particularly if you're coming into a shelter, because, you know, that's a whole different type of, um, you know, you're starting over from scratch right. with nothing. And yeah. that's a whole different type of journey that you're now going to be on. You know, there may be some stigma attached to it, um, some feelings of loss. Um, you know, and even if you don't come into a shelter and you and you're just sort of walking away from a relationship that maybe you thought would be forever, you know, you're gonna have some dark days. But you know, you just push through it. You reach out to the people that care for you. You reach out to organizations that can help you. And I promise you that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You will yes. be victorious. You will survive this, yes. and you will look back on that situation and you will be so thankful. Right. That you've gotten out of it. And if you wonder, like, what took me so long? <laughs> yes. It's like the, the main regret would be, why did I, you know, wait so long? But then again, don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up about it. You know, just exactly. know that it happened and it's done. That was only whatever time of your life. You have so much of your life to live. You have so much of your life before that person. So you know you can live without them. So don't beat yourself up about the time that you were with this person should you block them everywhere no contact yes so that's the thing too um so i would say you know again block them everywhere block their phone block their um all social media unfollow their friends or mutual friends because they can find you through them Mm -hmm. um you know be very mindful of who you tell where you are particularly if you have a lot of mutual people in common yeah. And so that's important as well. Um, and I always tell people, and I'm glad you said don't beat yourself up because statistically it takes up to seven times for a person to actually make the final break. They'll leave, they'll come back, they'll break up their makeup. And understand that this is something that, you know, everyone who's in a domestic violence situation, intimate partner violence, has a hard time, you know, walking away. If it was easy, you know, then um, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Exactly. It's because it's so hard and because it's so complex and because it is something that is so difficult and brave to do. Right. It's brave. Uh, that it's not, yeah, it's not just easy as just, you know, it just doesn't happen just like that. Yes. You're brave and courageous ladies. If you're listening, you're trying to get out, you can do it. And then how to heal after abuse. Are there any, I'm all about self-love, any self-love tips that you will offer for anyone listening on how they can love themselves more after this situation? I recommend, and I know that this is a dirty word for some people, but therapy. You know, a lot of times people are like, I don't need that. I can heal myself. 
it when you've been through domestic violence situation, you are suffering trauma that you don't even begin to understand. Mm-hmm. You're having post-traumatic stress disorder that mm-hmm. you don't even realize that you have, that you really need to work through with the professional. And a lot of times, too, you need to really unpack why did you get involved in this relationship? Why did you stay for so long? And that's something that, you know, you can do with a therapist. And so, you know, um, you know, taking care of yourself is great, you know, um, making sure that you have boundaries with people. Cause sometimes when you're in a domestic violence situation, you've never had boundaries with your partner, Yeah. you know, learning that it's okay to say no and to mean it, but I cannot stress the importance of your mental health the importance of seeking counseling to help you get through, you know, um, this stage, because again, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. And really to have the support of a therapist, I really think can make a lot of difference in helping people heal. Because, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but the majority of the clients that come to Genesee Center, this domestic violence situation is just one incident and of possibly a lifetime of trauma or other traumas. You know, they might have been abused as children. They might have come through the foster care system. They might have been sex trafficked. This might be their fourth or fifth domestic violence relationship. Um, There's um, a lot of trauma that they they might have been, you know, sexually abused. I mean, there's a lot of trauma that they're healing from um, that this domestic violence kind of brings up. And so therapy is really the best way to heal you know, a lot of the open wounds that have kind of gotten you to this place. I will say I definitely agree because I felt like after this situation, I started thinking about things that I haven't thought about in forever, like unhealed childhood wounds. Seriously, Mm -hmm. it starts bringing up things. And then um, because I've done like I know I should still go to counseling and all, but I've done like a lot of journaling, a lot of reflecting. I've done, I've had mm-hmm. convers- uncomfortable conversations with my parents sometimes, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to figure out the root of why I accepted some things in this relationship or look at the patterns of me, my dating life. And, you know, what are some sim- similarities from each relationship or each person I dated? And mm-hmm. um, it's definitely true. It It's, it's more than it's, definitely it seems like a lot of times more than just that one relationship it's just digging mm-hmm. up a lot of things from your past so you really got to get real with yourself get real with your therapist mm-hmm. your counselor whoever you talk to about about it and unpack all of it all of it you know we're I'm so happy that the mental wellness is and self-love is you know everyone's speaking about it right now because it's mm-hmm. so important I'm glad that it is um, your Genesee Center is offering great resources for people getting out of these situations. It is so, so important. And journaling is a really great way because, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a way for you to be alone with your thoughts. It's a way for you to be honest with yourself, to Mm -hmm. say things that maybe you're too embarrassed to say with other people. Mm -hmm. So let's say maybe you haven't gotten to the point where you are comfortable seeing a therapist. I think journaling is really a really great first step into really opening up into healing and to unpacking that stuff. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Angela Parker. Are there any last uh, words that you would want to share anything that I didn't cover when it comes to domestic violence? 
Yeah, so one last thing. Oftentimes, if you know someone who's a victim of domestic violence, you'll become frustrated Mm. because, you know, you're like, why don't you just leave? Why don't they just leave, you know? And then you get to the point where you're like, well, if they like it, I love it. And you just kind of want to wash your hands. And I want to tell people not to do that. Um, If you know someone who is a victim of domestic violence and you want to help them, and that's completely understandable and and it's stressful to you, but understand that this person is in a situation that they for whatever reason, they just can't walk out the door. So I always tell people, back off if you have to, but don't completely shut that person off because Mm -hmm. when they're ready to leave, they need to know that you are there for them without judgment, that they can come to you, that you can help them. And so that's just the one thing that I can say, to really come to this situation without judgment, without saying, if that was me, this is what I would do, even if you don't understand it, Mm -hmm. to just come from a place of empathy and compassion and love because that's what they need the most. That is so important that you said that because afterwards you do need that support system. You do need the friends and family and you do not need them to tell you something like I told you so, or, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to tell you that months ago and where it's like, okay, but I don't need that right now. I need you to be here for me right now. So it's so important that you said that because some people like if they've never been in the situation or even if they have, they might mm-hmm. still unhealed from things. They don't know what to say to help you. So they just, sometimes they wash their hands clean. Like, all right, well, you know, you're accepting it. So mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. going to let you accept it and let you deserve whatever's going to happen. It's like, no, exactly. Yeah. Be a friend, be, be a family member, uh, tell different resources. I know towards the end, one friend, she said, hey, someone told me, because she was going through her own situation, and she's like, mm-hmm. someone told me to look up the word narcissist. And I did, and it seemed like it It was like my life, <laughs> the whole mm-hmm. cycle and everything. So I was like, oh, okay. So then it started putting things into perspective, like, oh, this is a cycle. This is going to continue happening. Things are going to get good again. Then things are going to get crazy, and things is so, mm-hmm. it's so hot and cold. It's so hot and cold. So definitely watch the signs, educate yourself, read books, uh, check out the resources, watch YouTube. There's so many YouTube videos now Mm -hmm. with YouTube experts, I don't know, (laughs) telling you about it. So many uh, groups on Facebook, Instagram, all of that Mm -hmm. right now with all of the different signs of abuse. And you're right. And that's the great thing about social media, you know, it's information, it's a chance to connect. But again, you know, vet all your information. (laughs) Mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, the people that you get in contact with, but it does, you know, it does, you know, give you um, sort of an opportunity to connect in a way that, you know, people didn't have, you know, five or, or 10 years ago. Right. So that's definitely, you know, something to look into. So tell people how they can reach out to Genesee Center if they're in this situation, need to get out. Uh, so if you're a victim of domestic violence, you can reach out to Genesee. We have a, a 24-hour hotline, and that number is one 800 479 Seven three two eight. Perfect. And the the website again? www.genesee, J-E-N-E-S-S-E, with the J, dot org. Dr. Angela Parker, thank you so much for having Girl Talk. I'm pretty sure I hope that we uh, have helped save some lives today and help women get out of these situations or really look at their situation maybe and tell them it's okay. It is okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to get better. You are a survivor. It is not too late to get out and that you all have a great resource, a great center 
for them to transition. So thank you so much for coming on and you go girl for giving well, all these amazing tips. Thank you for having tips. me. Absolutely. Now it's time for music motivation. motivation. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Of course, that was Tina Turner with her 1984 hit, What's Love Got to Do with It? Now, let me tell you, there are so many songs about leaving a relationship with someone lying and cheating and you know, being disrespectful. I was going through my playlist. Okay. I was thinking for music motivation. I mean, there could be Destiny's Child, Free. There could be any song by Keisha Cole, Mary J. Blige. I mean, we got our girl Lauren Hill, Shaka Khan, Jill Scott. I was getting deep into the crates. Okay. Then my mom called. <laughs> she was just calling to chit chat and I was telling her, yeah, I'm doing my music motivation for my podcast. And she's like, oh, what's love got to do with it? I was like, oh, my God, mom, like, yeah, that's a good one. So that's what it is for today. What's love got to do with it? And what's funny is there was one time where I had an argument with the ex and um, the movie that came on was what's love got to do with it. And I was thinking to myself like, yo, what's love got to do with this? Like, why can't, you know, why can't you just leave? Why can't I just leave? Because really, that is one of the factors, because usually you're in love, right? You love the person. If you've seen the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, know all about Tina Turner's story, that she was in an, a very abusive relationship with Ike Turner, and she finally just stood up for herself one day, and she got out of it. And now she has this song, What's Love Got to Do With It? It sometimes blinds you. Eve, love is blind. It'll take over your mind, right? And when you leave the relationship, it's like you have your blinders off to see things so clearly. And like, dang, why did I put up with this or that? Because you were in love. And so Tina Turner saying, what's love got to do with it? Sometimes that is not enough. Sometimes we got to be smarter. We got to be stronger. We got to know this is not healthy. This will lead to a road of destruction. I need to get out of this. And what does love have to do with it if I'm in this relationship and I'm not even loving myself wholly and completely while in this relationship? I am losing myself in this relationship. I don't feel like the person I was before I got in this relationship. I feel weaker instead of stronger while in this relationship. I have more anxiety and stress instead of peace while in this relationship, right? So what does love have to do with it? And a lot of people, quite frankly, are saying, I love you and don't really know what it means. I love you, but lack loyalty, lack compassion, lack understanding, lack integrity. You know, I love you, but they are not kind. They are not patient. They are not showing you the real love that you really want. But what's love got to do with it? Still stick around. You still hope for better days. You still hope and pray that that person will change or that they will get back to who they were during those first three months. Because that's what they, even Steve Harvey, come on. He will he has a whole book about the 90-day rule and stuff because people show you, you know, a representative a lot of times. And that's why I feel like a relationship really ain't that serious until maybe after six months. Because you probably 
they probably, you know, had their mask off a little, or you've probably seen them have a bad day and you see how they're doing on a bad day. You know, like, are they going to go into a rage or are they just not having a bad day? Don't want to be bothered. You know, how do they deal with adversity? You can kind of see that maybe three to six months, something, you know, they, they don't have the representative as much. So that's why he even says, wait till after the 90 days. But sometimes in these type of relationships, you want to go back to those first 90 days, the love bombing phase, the honeymoon phase, right? And in love bombing, it's, oh my God, I love you so much, so super quick and you know, marriage and babies, and you have all this talk about the future in the first 90 days. It's quick. You want to go back to that because that part was loving to you. And then your emotions got involved and then it wasn't the same anymore. Now you're like, how am I going to get out, right? What's love got to do with it? But I do say, I do, I, you know, after healing and everything, hopefully you do attract the love that you desire and that you really want and that's really for you. Hopefully it's peaceful and comforting and it's kind and it's all that you want and all that you've been praying for. So keep hope alive, girls, okay? You know, what's love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. We just got to be smarter with it. Sex in the city. I remember a line. She was a smart girl until she fell in love. Dang. Right? Oof. But it's okay because we're going to be smarter in love next time or we're going to learn to be smarter in love in our current relationships. All right, girls, I have faith in you. What's love got to do with it? Tina Turner. She wrote a whole book about it now, right? All right, girls. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Go Girl podcast because women are powerful. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, AshleyCaprice.com. Please rate it and leave a review. And I would love to hear from you. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at Go Girl Podcast or at I am Ashley Caprice. I'll be back next week. But until then, remember, I am healing. You go, girl. <laughs>